0: Hello, Disruptors. Welcome back to Practice Disrupted. As we celebrate 140 episodes co-hosted with Janine, we're using this break to revisit some of our most popular episodes that have yet to be rerun. Stay tuned for a journey down memory lane, and don't forget, season eight kicks off on February 15th. Let's dive in.
1: I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Janine Chastain. We're collaborating on curated conversations to explore how the industry of architecture is changing.
0: Together, we'll find ways to create new solutions to current challenges while elevating the value of architects. Welcome to Practice Practice Disrupted. Disrupted. Hello, listeners. Hello, Janine. Hi, Evelyn. Hi, Disruptors. This week, we're celebrating our 80th episode, which is amazing. To help us mark this milestone and the conclusion of our best season yet, we wanted to bring on a special guest to help us out.
1: Amy Stone is an architect, a mom of three, and is currently pursuing an MBA at Georgia Tech's Scheller College of Business. Amy is a design manager at Gensler and is dedicated to creating sustainable and equitable environments. Her professional work experience includes a variety of building types, including housing, mixed-use, adaptive reuse, offices, higher education, and deep green sustainable projects, including the largest living building in the Southeast. Some of you may recognize the name, the Candida Building, which has been highly published about in Architect Magazine. And also, Amy is a senior editor at Madam Architect and was one of the first to join Madam Architect a few years ago. While the seemingly lack of women in architecture has been well-documented, women are and have
0: been making waves in all levels of the field. Madam Architect is an online magazine celebrating the extraordinary women that shape our world, a magazine designed to break the architect's mold and show young women entering the industry the myriad choices they have in crafting a dynamic, meaningful, and interesting career. We are honored to have them
2: here today to assist us in this conversation. Welcome, Amy. We're so glad you're here. Janine and Evelyn, hello. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's our honor to host you or to have you uh, moderate this conversation. Absolutely. So tell
1: us maybe a little bit about yourself. We read your bio, but we'd love to hear in your own words, your role at Madam Architect and what gets you excited about
2: this kind of work. Yes, I joined Madam Architect a few years ago and was really in a space of my career where I needed to see what other women were doing that I could relate with. I was at that time pursuing my master's in architecture with two young children and working at the same time and just needed, (laughs) I felt peerless in a sense. Like I didn't really have many people at Georgia tech with me who were in my same track or in that same space in my profession. And so I I was just very hungry to know, are other people doing this? Are other people taking on this like trifecta of just insanity? So I ran across Julia Gamalina at a, a conference. She was speaking to, we were doing a Pecha Kucha style presentation about different student groups. We went to Harvard and just talked. It was a kind of a convergence of different student groups around the country and focused on women. So women in architecture groups at different schools. And she presented on Madam Architect and was sharing the cases of different women on like, what are they doing? What have their tracks been? What did their career look like? What challenges have been unique to them? What have been their highlights? And every interview she mentioned, I was just so hungry for. So I reached out to offer to help and she brought me on and I've been helping with transcriptions and editing and doing my own interviews, helping with uh, ask the editor questions and just general editorial content, which has been so good for me to have this extended network of women kind of virtual mentors and love that I can help expand that you know, portfolio in a sense of, of voices that other women can tap into. So that is my relationship with Madam Architect, and it's phenomenal. It just, I feel so much more connected and supported, and feel like, yes, there are other people <laughs> that, are, that are doing this. They're just like me. And as you've heard in my bio, I have three kids I have a 10 year old, an eight year old, and a one year old, and I'm working. I'm slowly ticking through my MBA. So I still find myself in that space of you know, always spreading myself pretty thin. I'm constantly finding myself in a space where I'm, you know, striving for more struggling with, you know, balancing ambition of where I want to be in my career and like long-term what's my guiding North star. How am I trying to get there with just that tension of the daily, you know, balance of time and effort and energy that it takes to really get there and keeping, you know, all balls juggling and, um, making sure that the, the, Most important ones really get my priority and attention. So that is where I'm at in my career right now. I would say it's very relatable, and I think a
1: lot of women are looking for that. And what's interesting, I think, is Madam Architect is typically a written format. You all interview different architects and tell their
2: stories. And how many have you interviewed so far? Like, what's your number? Well, between Next Gen and Days With and the feature interviews, we've interviewed over 300 people.
1: Wow, oh my goodness. And today we're kind of going to shift in a new direction where we've invited you all on to move into the audio space with us and and to try and test out doing an interview over podcasting. So thank you for being willing and interested to do this.
2: That's right. Well, you two are doing phenomenal work with this podcast and breaking into an area that so many people are clearly interested in hearing about and I think you bring such a unique perspective. So on this interview I want to talk about you. I want to hear about your story and your background, your interests, and kind of the trajectory of your career and what insights through all of that, like you have to offer, especially with all of these insights that you're gaining from the people you interview and talk to. And I know that you have a lot of advice and insights to distill down and offer out. So I'm looking forward to talking to you. So we always love to ask how your interest in architecture first developed. So Janine, can I start with you? How, what brought you into architecture? I think that my
1: parents had a big influence on my interest in architecture. Uh, growing up in the Southeast, they were frequently taking me to cities that have such rich history of historic buildings um, and just iconic sites where things happened in American history. And so I spent a lot of time in Washington D.C., in Charleston, I visited Savannah, I grew up in Richmond, and so I just had such great access to buildings that, you know, are iconic in that early part of American history. And so at that point in my young adolescent part of my career, I was thinking about historic preservation. But I knew from an early point that I was really interested in understanding interior spaces and buildings and cities and how could I contribute or play a role in shaping them. That's awesome. Tell me where you're from. I grew up in Richmond. And so, you know, we have such a deep history. And I mm. I remember always thinking about how could Richmond become a city like Charleston, where its historic footprint was elevated into um, kind of a m- more prominent, iconic city on the East Coast, basically.
2: That's, um, that's really interesting. We were just in DC and trying to really show my kids like, it's how much history is there and how much there is to learn from. So what a great like lab to be in to really educate yourself. You said you got more interested in interiors. So did you pursue that route in school or after school? I did not get a chance to pursue it in school. I think that if
1: I could do it again, I probably would gravitate more towards interiors. I went into a standard architecture program and I think that probably a focus in interiors would have been my sweet spot. Evelyn,
2: what about you? How did you get your, like, what was your first interest into architecture?
0: Mine started super young. I was one of those people who knew in elementary school, like, I wanted to be an architect. And I think it was because it was in fourth grade and the teacher asked us to draw our houses and everyone drew an elevation, um, like normal people. And I decided to like start drawing and plan to like describe the spaces and then i then i don't I don't know you know I would go grocery shopping every Sunday after church with my family, and I found those like those old Victorian house plans or there's like magazines with all those Victorian house plans in it and I would always ask my parents if I could just buy it and flip through the the magazine and then. Um, it wasn't until high school that Antoine Predock came and built a local or designed our local library. So that was kind of a, a bigger introduction into that process, which really was interesting to me. But it, it really spurred and started for whatever reason at an early age. And it was because of not even a love of space. Well, I guess floor plans translated into space, but it was really just, for me, it was like the dollhouse that the floor plan was. I don't know if that makes sense, but just like imagining what type of life you could have looking at floor plans of various different houses.
2: Yeah. That's amazing that so early on you had that understanding of it and wanted to read more into it. So you both followed your interest to school and I went through the, you know, challenge that architecture school is, which, you know, we could talk a lot about what you learn in architecture school, but I want to know what you learned about yourself through that process. And I know that, you know, if you pursued your MBA too, what did you learn about yourself in, you know, in both of those instances?
1: Yeah, this is a really interesting question because I think that when I was in architecture studio, I I couldn't see the lessons that I was learning. It was only when I went and got my MBA and went through that rigorous process that I was able to look back at my time during undergraduate studio and kind of see where those really deep inflection points had happened. You know, it's hard, it's hard to see it when you're in it. But I think going through that second really intense education
2: was helpful in reflecting on that. I want to know, too, with both schools being so challenging, what propelled you from architecture to an MBA? What was that connection?
1: I remember really vividly taking a break from architecture studio one day, and we had this really cool courtyard outside of the studio environment where people would go sit. And I was just sitting there one day, and I just, I knew at that moment, I was like, I really want to go for my MBA. And I think I was in Hmm. maybe six second year of architecture studio because <laughs> I just I could just feel that I wasn't gelling I never really loved studio like I always loved my seminar classes and I loved the community of architecture but I never really felt passionate and in love with architecture studio that like core piece of the education mm-hmm. And I knew that eventually I was going to want to go get that business degree. I just didn't know how. But I could tell from where my strengths were naturally that I was a natural leader. I knew that I was interested in business. My dad is an entrepreneur, so I knew that I was always interested in entrepreneurship. And I just couldn't quite connect the dots in terms of formal architecture studio being enough for me.
2: Mm, I think that entrepreneurship and architecture school both have creative threads and that you have to understand complex systems and components coming together and that you it doesn't just have to come into the shape of buildings but it can be in the shape of business but Janine that's interesting to me that like second year studio and you already knew it how long was the gap between architecture school and your MBA? That's a good question. I, I
1: finished with my b in 2009 and I started my master's program in 2013. So I had worked enough. I was, I had been out in practice enough to know. And I think that also like when I had gone out in practice, I went in, in the middle of the recession. So it was like it further ingrained in me that I wanted to pursue an additional education to not be in the same situation that I found myself in when I left architecture school and couldn't find a job because that degree on on its own at that moment in time wasn't enough to start a career. And I was like, well, I never want to be in that boat again, so I should go get this degree that's going to really make me valuable and self-sufficient.
2: There almost has not been like one interview that I have done where the recession has not come up as some sort of career shaking moment and really helping people propel themselves into that second interest, into that other realm of something tangential that actually ends up like really growing legs and being a solid place to be. So thanks for telling about that. Evelyn, I want to hear about you too. What did you learn first about yourself while you studied architecture? I actually loved
0: studio, but like, there was this innate understanding that I was like never going to be the best designer. And there was <laughs> this, and it, it, it took me a while actually to come to terms with it because I think if you think of, if you think about like how meaningful studio is and and where you want to compete or where you want to show up and do your best within architecture school, I I actually really had this big personal struggle with it, uh, and I I tried to leverage. My understanding of technology and tools and my ability to learn technology quicker um, as, a, as a way to differentiate myself through that process. But I, I think I knew way back then that I was never going to be a designer, but I was one of those people who like I set a goal and I, there's a path and I needed to get through the path to finish it. Um, so like not pursuing architecture after grad school was like never or after my undergrad and then my grad school at Sarek was like never a question for me.
2: You realized you're a finisher and that you, once you're on a track, you've got to <laughs> stick with it. <laughs> I, I was, it was because it, because
0: having a goal and reaching that goal was so much easier. Like it's, it's, it was easier for me to manage in my mind and kind of in professional development. And what I was taught about my career arc than like not having a goal and having to explore, I love this, (laughs) (laughs) which I think for a lot of like people is like when they think about stepping away from architecture, that becomes like the difficult part of, of that career transition. But yeah, sorry, Amy. No,
2: no interruptions for me. It's just interesting that like you, both of you had these insights of like this, this isn't completely me. I like it and I'm glad I pursued this interest, but like this isn't the full cookie like there's something else that is part of this recipe and Evelyn similar to you I I like architecture I really enjoy it there's a lot of you know parts of it that I completely connect with and other parts like I just have to get through and there I did kind of have that same realization like I want to be a finisher. Like, I want to get through this and I want to get that licensure. I want the AIA behind my name. You know, like there's that aspect of wanting to stick with the track that other people are very much like, okay, stepping away from and not doing the full like closeout of it. And so um, I think that's a, a very valid and good insight to realize like, yes, I'm a finisher and there's more. And maybe that's tiring. Evelyn, do you feel like once you've kind of had that insight of like, I want to finish this, but I also know I want like this MBA aspect, like, how did you reconcile those two?
0: Yeah, I I mean, for me, it was like, I didn't know I wanted to get an MBA my second year, like, (laughs) for me, the MBA was kind of an active break for me to reassess my career. Like I, okay, I've, I've done that I did licensure. And now I have no idea what I wanted to do next. And it was just like the right time at the right place. In my life, for me, right there, I had no external commitments that was kind of keeping me from making that decision. I could choose to go to an MBA school wherever I I got in. I had, you know, I have I no like family, no children, no husband. It was just a good time to to take a break, to reassess, and completely break actually from architecture and the AIA altogether. And my biggest lesson there was that I missed the profession. Um, So I took a complete break. I stepped away. I said, I'm not going to be a part of any green building clubs, any like... Real estate or development programs. Like, I don't, like, that's not for me, you know. And I tried, like, the management consulting track. I looked at the people doing, um, you know, the marketing club. I started in UCLA before I transferred to the Presidio. So the entertainment industry, of course, is big in Los Angeles. And I kind of played around with, like, all of those areas. And I was just like, whatever I have to do, I have to come back kind of to the built environment and, and to architecture because I some I missed it. So that that was a key moment for me, but then it was still didn't necessarily answer the question, like what am I actually gonna be
2: doing in this field going further. So um yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> I I thought I would finish my masters of architecture knowing exactly which field and like market sector I wanted to be in and kind of was hoping that My master's would help me with that or give me some time to let it bake. And I finished, and I was still just like, not sure, and still open to opportunities. And it's probably a common perception that you'll have it all figured out by the time you graduate or by the time you're done with X. And to know that, like, nope, it just helps you be prepared, it helps the doors be open, and that's okay. Great. Like, take it forward with whatever way it goes. But Evelyn, totally valid with also like the insights of, like, I miss it. And this is how I think now. I still want to be a part of it, even if it is in a different role. So talked about interest in architecture and school. I want to know kind of the short synopsis of the trajectory of your career. How'd you get started? What's been the middle? And where are you in your career today? Which is still a very much like an active, growing, long trajectory ahead kind of career. So what's the snapshot so far? Evelyn, I'll start with you. After your MBA, where did things end up taking you?
0: Uh, yeah, so I did like I did a mid career MBA for you. So for me, the MBA was, again, kind of a step away to kind of reanalyze where I was in my career. It was actually through the MBA that I realized that one of my most meaningful and memorable studios that I went through was in my grad school. And it, it was scenario and strategic planning. And it was at the time when the Valley was looking to secede from Los Angeles as a city um and we're looking at various different city systems and how for instance and this is not the most glamorous one but like the valley collects all the city's trash so is there a way that they could leverage that relationship (laughs) into a positive one for them the flip side is like los angeles parks and rec own all the parks and like the like the majority of parks and recreation is in the Los Angeles, not the Valley. So, it was re- a really interesting exploration of city systems, but also strategic and scenario planning, which ultimately led to my work at MK Think as a strategist leading the strategist group. I left there to go uh, work with a friend in brokerage on the consulting side of brokerage to focus a lot more on workplace, and then decided, you know, I. I I don't like the selling aspects, like so much of what I do is selling my services to brokers and then selling uh, my services twice to the clients. So I went to look for something in-house and I landed at Slack Technologies. And that has been a really interesting perspective for me to have in terms of having lived in the architecture world and knowing how we welcome and mentor and develop our people within architecture and looking at that parallel to how they do it in tech and seeing where there's actual opportunities for us to to innovate and, and understanding why tech is able to innovate so much mm. faster than our profession. Um, so that's been an interesting kind of parallel there. And and that's where I am now. So I'm, I'm at Slack. We got acquired by Salesforce, so I'm bridging both companies right now.
2: And running a great podcast with Janine. So when did that start? That started during
0: the pandemic. Right, Janine? So, um, Like right at the beginning. Right at the beginning.
2: Well, we'll use this as a bridge to go from Evelyn to (laughs) Janine because now we're at this common shared story of running, you know, Evelyn, you're in your profession at Slack slash Salesforce with Janine, who is still, as I understand it, in the consulting and architecture world. Do you want to talk about the gap between your b your MBA, and then what happened after? So the beginning was when I was
1: launched into my career coming out of school as the newly elected president of the AIAS. And that was basically started as a volunteer role while I was still in undergrad. I was very active with the chapter. I had run for a national position And got on the board of directors as the South Quad Director, representing all the chapters in the Southeast. And I had run a national, or it wasn't a national, but it was like a regional conference for the Southeast in Charlotte. And then basically, I decided to run for national president. And to do that, you have to go to the annual conference, you have to give a speech in front of a room full of students, you know, You have to network and campaign, and then you get elected. And so it was like a really big deal to have to put yourself out there, kind of terrifying for most people to like get up there and do a five minute speech in front of like almost, you know, 800 students, your peers. But basically, when I was elected, it just transformed my life because I had this amazing. Opportunity after school to move to Washington D.C. and I worked out at the AIA National Office in the AIAS office, um, which is like within the building. And it's a standalone organization, and I was running—you know—it's like a one million dollar operating budget, and we had a board of directors, we had all these members, so kind of like running a business, it's except it's a nonprofit. And I had a really amazing. chance to work with all of the national leaders from the AIA, the ACSA, NAB, and CARB. and And I got to sit in these rooms with executive leaders from all these organizations. And I felt like that was very informative to taking this person who naturally has an interest in leadership and then being put into these environments where she's allowed to grow, she has a voice and They treat her like an equal in these conversations, and they really welcomed me and challenged me to step into opportunities to speak and share my voice. Then after that ended, I went back into practice, and it was radically different. It was like where in this experience they had built me up and I felt like I had a voice. Going back into practice was like going back down to the bottom and Losing your voice and not being treated as an equal and having to go back up this like hierarchy in practice about where you are in your career. And that transition was brutal (laughs) and paired with it, there was the recession, which made it even harder and just like bouncing around. So long story short, I think the middle piece is definitely the MBA and the decision to go for the MBA while working full time in San Francisco. And like you, Amy, I couldn't do it full time. I had to work and have an income. So I was going 40 hours a week plus into the city to do my job. And then after hours and on weekends and over the summer, I would take the bus back to Oakland and go to class at night. And Doing the MBA was very enriching. It was something that I enjoyed a lot, um, and it was really hard. Basically, it took four years to complete. And so graduating with my MBA was probably one of my proudest moments. And then it's basically launched me to where I am now, which is being able to run my own business. And, and parallel to running my own business, Evelyn and I collaborate on the
2: podcast Tell me a little bit more about your business, Janine, because you just summed up an entire like phase of your career and like, and now I have a business. <laughs> Ta-da! Um, I,
1: yeah, so I think throughout my MBA, I knew I wanted to start a business. I knew I wanted to figure out my career and make it something that was meaningful to me. So I used those four years to really figure it out and to experiment and come up with the concept. One of the last classes I took during my MBA was actually um, a presentation of my business concept to my classmates. And what it is, is a management consulting business. And I'm working with architects. I'm leveraging all of the knowledge that I've gained through the education, through working with AIS. Now, and into my career. And basically, I'm using that to help other architects become leaders in how they're managing their firms. I'm looking at the part that's not the studio, but the the business management around the studio and the skills that are often overlooked in the training and education process and helping leaders feel more confident in those
2: areas. Have you two told the story of how you've met and how this podcast came into being? It's been a while. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a while. And I don't know.
0: I I can never recall when we actually met in person. And then the evolution, I, I think, us being close friends actually happened a lot later after that first meeting. Um, right?
2: How did you two meet? Through the AIA. It was
0: through, <laughs> that, I <laughs> mean, that's a, yes. I remember hearing I people think- People kept coming up and telling me, you need to meet this person, Janine. And then I think people kept coming up, Janine And telling you, you need to meet this person, Evelyn. Yeah. And then we finally met. And it wasn't until you, like, made your way through various different ways through the recession and whatever to the Bay Area that we, like, that we actually, like, started having more regular
1: conversations. The thing that stood out in my mind was when you finished your MBA and you moved up to the Bay Area, we started meeting more regularly. And we would, like, check in And have lunch or coffee or whatever. And I just felt like that kind of kept happening. And we had a couple of different opportunities where we were like trying to figure out what was the thing that we were going to collaborate on. But it was really in that last year before I left. And I knew I was going to be, we were both thinking about like, how do we ramp up our little small business ideas? And we started meeting more regularly and going for coffee. Do you remember that? Right.
0: And I was so I was just like, "Oh, Virginia is going to be so hard to be a consultant in the architecture world because architects don't like to pay consultants anything." Like, I really like. Yeah, she was concerned about my financial. I was really concerned, (laughs) and part of it was because I wanted to make practice of architecture a thing, and that was like literally, and it still almost to this day continues to be what's holding me back from like jumping ship my sh- myself and like movie, moving fully into practice of architecture as a mechanism to help individuals and firms think more broadly about how to remain relevant and other services that they could be offering to expand their practice. So Janine and I were both interested in helping firms in different but complementary ways. And yeah, I do remember I was just like, uh, you know, I, like, I do, like, I don't know, just warning you <laughs> how, yeah, hard, it might, how very... hard it might be
2: to start this up. So, you were a consultant to Janine about. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Evelyn, you sounded like a consultant to Janine about consulting. We're you just like, <laughs> let me tell you how this is going to be. So, through this friendship and longer conversations, It sounds like it wasn't just this idea of a podcast that brought you together. It was a kind of shared interests and then a slow friendship. And then what got you started were like, oh, we got to take this to a broader audience. This conversation is so important. Yeah,
0: it, it was also just honestly, Mark LePage and I had been talking separately for a while. And I asked him... He, I mean, he got into the podcast game so early. I think Entree Architect has, I don't know, over 400, 500, a ridiculous number of podcasts behind them already. And I, I asked him one day about it. And, but, but be like the architect in me is like, I don't want to put anything out into the world unless I know I can do it of a certain quality, right? And he told me how, like, what it takes to produce his show and put it out there. And I was like, oh, I don't really have time to learn all of that. So I'll shelve this for a little bit. Like, maybe not, like, now is not the right time. And then he launched the Gable Media Network. And he reached out to me saying, would you like to be a part of it? I can help you on the production side. And then I said, "Mm," and you can can ask Janine about this, because I don't listen to podcasts, regularly, even to this day, like not nearly as much as she does. I do not consume podcasts like with as much enthusiasm as Janine does. So everything I learned about podcasting, I've learned from Janine. But I was just like, I don't want to do this on my own. I have like, I'm not a listener. So I need a partner in this. Um, So I I thought of Janine immediately.
1: I want to add to this because Amy, I think something you said at the beginning, this conversation about what got you involved with Madam Architect and looking for those other people in the world that like you could have conversations about the specific challenges you were facing. Similarly, I think Evelyn and I became fast friends because we had a values alignment and like the things that we were trying to navigate and figure out were very similar. Like the fact that she had gone for her MBA and was trying to figure out like how to put it into use in her career, or the fact that she was so deeply ingrained in the AIA like I was, or the fact that she also was very ambitious and wanted to be a leader and was figuring out what did that mean for her. So like, and I was talking to Leah Bear, who's a really good friend of ours too. And she was saying, Sometimes I like look up and I just, you know, I don't see people doing the same thing as me and and it makes me question myself. And I and I was telling her, I was like, yeah, Leah, but like if you think about it, like you, me and Evelyn, we're kind of like in this, we, we're the unique people in this space doing what we're doing and we're defining the path. The reason it's hard to find those other people is there aren't that many. And if they are, they're so few that it's hard to find them. So I felt like... I recognize the opportunity to work with Evelyn as a way to figure out my own journey and to complement each other on the things that we cared about changing in the profession. Well, that
2: kind of leads to a question I wanted to ask, which is what kind of impact are you looking to have with this podcast? Is there a core mission that you have with why you're creating this production? So I've
0: always been, been a writer. I'm much better at writing. I have this distinct memory of being, I think it was a second or third year. And one of my professors, a lover, Jory, was just like, I have this fifth year thesis student who's having a problem with his thesis. Can you help them grammatically like, get through this? Anyways, so I have always been, I've been somewhat of a prolific writer. I wrote for Inhabitat before like. Writing for blogs was a thing, and people knew you could actually make a living off of it. And for me, the podcast was kind of another medium to reach a bigger audience about – I wouldn't say it's been a desperate plea, but just kind of about a a plea – that I see as a need for the architecture profession even for t- traditional practice to evolve to remain relevant my hope is that the architecture profession can like continues to thrive in in the future in whatever form it takes but i don't think it's going to survive if we move forward in its current state. Mm. And that's kind of a a big statement to make. But that's been kind of core to my belief for my years at MK Think So for
1: well over like almost 10 years now.
2: Mm.
1: What about you, Janine? I think there's three drivers on this one for me. Number one is the hope that we can educate the profession about other ways to think about areas that people just take for granted and are continuing to perpetuate in the way they operate, like really teaching them ideas that are outside what they have been exposed to so that they recognize that there's so much more possibility than what they're considering. Second, I think it's a research experiment and trying to like go out and find these different leaders who are doing things differently and to identify who they are and to really ask them like what are you doing different um so that's been really fun to just pull in all these people into this kind of like incubator of ideas and third i think what has st- stuck with me and i think anybody who's listened to the show long enough might recognize that like when I started the podcast, like I I felt like I was so frustrated because I had felt like my voice had been taken away in my professional roles. And I was pretty angry. And like, I had to work through that. And like coming out of the running my own business, having freedom on the podcast, I feel like I've gained my voice back, but I also feel a deep responsibility to the people who are working in practice right now that are out there listening right now that don't feel like they're being heard in their firm or in the industry. And I wanna create space for those people to be heard. And if I can say it and make an impact by actually talking about it in a public way, then I feel like I'm helping somebody out there who feels like their power has been taken away.
2: Mm. I like that personal arc that you're bringing into about, I mean, it, it is hard when you go, like you said, the challenge of going from being AI AS president, and then going to a very voiceless, unrespected position where people maybe make the assumption that you have to have a lot of years of experience to really have a voice, but saying, no, like I have a valid voice now and I want it to be heard. Well, those are all, it's an interesting, I don't know, conglomeration of goals and and missions for this podcast, which is so interesting that you're coming from different perspectives and in the way that it'll play out. So I can see some common threads and I can see some variants so that you have, I don't know, ways to push and pull the conversations and get, yeah, that research and the information that you're pulling from your interviewers.
0: It's also interesting to see like, what our listeners actually like. Mm. Janine and I will get off of a call, she'll like, or I'll bring on somebody and Janine's like, Evelyn, I don't know how well that conversation went. And it'll turn out to be like, like really well received. And the, the flip side has happened too. I was like, oh, Janine, I totally wasn't digging that conversation. And then like, but our listeners do. So I, I, I for me, it's definitely been a learning experience in terms of, um like understanding what's resonating in the moment right now and like how to have conversations to begin to move things forward in a meaningful way.
2: I relate with that from a Madam Architects standpoint, because we can look at the analytics of like what's taking off and what's getting a lot of responses and something that will just start as like, Oh, this is a good idea. Like, sure, we should do this. Ask the editor section. Like, why not? Let's, answer some questions, poll people for what they want. We created the answers, put them out there. And those kind of posts got so much engagement, not just clicks, but like the comments, the circulation of conversation around it. There's be, there'll be interviews that, you know, kind of seem not generic because I truly think like the interviews are featuring a unique story in each case, but you can see threads with, if if you're in a demographic that's like, Oh, this is a group of women in their mid career and they might fall into, you know, a very large demographic like that but then that interview will get so much interaction it's like what is something in the conversation or in their story is really helping people connect with the content and and we look for that too it's just complete surprise sometimes where where it comes and from unexpected sources so like i get that yeah tell me in like 10 words or less your biggest highlight so far on the podcast Janine, we'll start with you.
1: I think a really big highlight was when Brooke Scarpa came on the podcast and we were interviewing them. It was like a couple, it was like the day before Christmas or something like that. And we were interviewing them and, and to, to be able to get on here and interview them and feel like they wanted to be on the podcast was so cool. And then when the episode aired, we had a really great response. And I think that's, it just helped me see how far our podcast had come to be able to have them willing and interested to come on the show. It was like a
2: big moment. Evelyn, what's been a highlight for you? For me,
1: it's interesting
0: to hear you talk about madam architects and metrics, because I feel like podcast metrics are much more ambiguous to actually figure out. You know, where people are coming from, there's multiple, it's not, we can't do the collective click on the website because there's so many different platforms that people can be listening through. Like I need to figure out a way, like the, the tech geek in me wants to figure out a way to like get a live download um, of each stream and like dump it into Tableau dashboard and, and like get the overall picture. But I don't have the time for that. So what really, what really absolutely makes my, not only my day, but my entire week is when we hear from anyone Like, literally, anyone. I don't care if you are like a student or if you are somebody who is retiring, like on the retirement end of practice, just hearing like how one area of a particular episode made an impact on them. That always makes my week. If I'm having a really bad week, hearing from any of our listeners is just absolutely amazing because it means that we're making meaningful um, impact. Y'all, right, Evelyn?
2: <laughs> leave a review. <laughs> this is yours. Oh yes, this please. is your plug now. Yeah, and leave means feedback so much. for Evelyn and Janine. <laughs> Send in comments. That's great. What have been the biggest challenges on the podcast, or what? <laughs> um, we'll talk about podcasts, Yeah, with this creation, because I'm interviewing about practice disrupted. So I want to hear what's your biggest challenge for the podcast.
0: Oh, you know what actually is a really big challenge right now, and it's something that we are going to be exploring more in the next season, is um, we are getting a lot more firms reaching out to us, and we are struggling with everything that's going, that has gone on with SHOP and everything that's going on with SIRC, and there's even stuff going on abroad with RIBA about, like, how do we verify these firms? are doing what they say they say they are doing, or even if we're bringing them on for something like advances in technology, how are we making sure that these firms are treating their people well too before we bring them on? Yep.
2: We have the same challenge of, so if you guys figure making that sure out, we're truly betting <laughs> sometimes yeah. what we've had a solution of, um, Having an advisory board for Madam Architect and kind of floating our ideas with them as like board of directors. And like, if we have a question, we we float it to them or like, what do y'all think about this? And that just has a, a wider net to be able to gather more insight and intel that otherwise we wouldn't be connected to. So that's, that's one approach. Board of directors or advisory board, not necessarily that they're for controlling your content or, you know, pushing you in any direction you don't want to go, but trusted people that you can talk to to help keep you connected for Intel like that. Janine, biggest challenge? You know, we do this on top of our jobs. So,
1: you know, just (laughs) to be fair to us, like, we put a ton of time into this. And sometimes we're up against the constraints of time. And so we do have to let perfectionism go sometimes.
2: All right, I want to go through a rapid fire uh, set of questions. And I want to know who you're admiring right now. I'll flip back and forth between you two with these so we don't have to do each person on every question. So, Janine, who are you admiring right now? Absolutely, Brene Brown. I love her. listen and read all of the content she produces. I just listened to her last night. She kept me company. And then I flipped over to Soul, Super Soul with Oprah just to hear Brene Brown talk some more. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Evelyn, what is something that you wish you knew starting out your career that you know now?
0: So I I say this a lot, I'll say it again, it's a journey, y'all, not like a destination. I am 40, how old am I? I'm 42 and I'm still like figuring out what my next steps are. I don't know if I'm gonna be like a a Slack or Salesforce lifer. I don't know what's in that card. So I'm I'm having conversations about making practice of architecture a thing. Um, But it's absolutely a journey and there's people along the way that can help you just
2: find your community. Janine, what is some really valid advice that you have gotten in your career that you think is worth sharing? I think that the
1: things that intimidate us or make us nervous or afraid or feel uncomfortable are actually the things that are really worth pushing ourselves through. You know, I think when we can get past our fears, sometimes those things are the, barrier you need to break in order to get to the
2: next level. Evelyn, we usually ask what the, like what advice people have when they're starting their career, because we have so many young readers with Madam Architect, but you might not have young readers or listeners with this podcast, maybe people who are more business minded, but just considering your audience, what advice do you want to put out there?
0: Don't ever be afraid of reaching out to any one for any reason i think be at phone call be at email be at linkedin do so in a meaningful way like don't say hey can we connect i get a lot of that um you might want to say like hey i'm interested in connecting because of why would you like to have a conversation about x and like yes i would always love to have a conversation about x so um if you're whether you're exploring new Lines of service, whether you're trying to find a new client, whether or not you want to follow a a different trajectory path, especially if you're a student, always lead with I'm a student in school right now and I just want to learn more about you. Mm. Opens the door to so many conversations and you never know where those conversations are going to take you. Absolutely.
2: Okay, final question for both of you that I really want to know In your trajectory of doing this podcast, what has been your biggest insight? Takeaway lesson learned: something that has just really left an impression on you that you did not know that you would learn <laughs> at the start of this.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go first, so Janine can't steal my answer. Um, <laughs> no. um, really, that there that this podcast has been so meaningful to so many people. I think we knew we had a community out there, but we just had no idea how large that community was. Awesome. So that. As somebody who tends to be pessimistic on the outlook of architects' ability to change and evolve, this podcast has really provided me with a light of like optimism for the future of the profession. I love that.
1: I think I've had to reassess my perspective because when I started the podcast, I was diehard in the camp of the emerging professional Like, I saw things from the point of view of the emerging professional, and I was just all in on advocating for that. But as the podcast has grown, I've, of course, been in the role of growing my business, which has shifted my perspective towards more empathy and understanding on the owner, firm owner perspective. And I think I'm grappling with where that push and pull happens between the needs of an owner versus the needs of the emerging professional and how... There's a little give and take in both sides of that and reassessing where I was previously like really rigid about what I thought. Now trying to come up with a argument that has positive outcomes for both sides. It's not all black and white.
2: Well, I think the the work y'all are doing and just creating a space for women in architecture to talk about business, like just that tagline is so – enthralling and so exciting. And clearly I'm biased as an architect getting an MBA that I'm like, oh, let's keep talking about this. I want to know all of your insights from school and from the podcast. And I just think it's such a great act of generosity, like knowing that you do this on top of your jobs and that you are putting this resource out there and making connections happen and recording conversations for people to grow their own insights. And, And I hope to check back in next season, season five. That's incredible. So check back in next season and to see where things are going and how things are continuing to evolve. So thank you both for letting me be a part of the conversation and to interview you both and your stories. And uh, I'm looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah. No, Amy. So we're actually,
0: for our listeners, we're actually bringing back Amy in season five. I think she has so much to offer. (laughs) Not, not like mother of three, but like the, the timing of like, I can't wait to dig into the timing of like all of the decisions that you made at your point in your career, because you pursued your m while you already had children. And then that was, you know, before your MBA. So that's, for me, that's like a whole nother level of difficulty in your career path. So I can't wait to explore that. But Janine, did you want to talk about a few of the other things we have coming in season five?
1: Yeah. We also want to get into asking more about what Madam Architect's doing and, you know, your role there as a volunteer or is it a yep. volunteer volunteer yep. role? And same as y'all same. Like <laughs> what are you learning? learning? <laughs> I, I do think it's amazing. You've got the M arc and the, now you're going for the MBA. So there's, I have a lot of questions about all of, <laughs> all of that. Um, and if our listeners are interested, you can dive into the archives of Madam Architect. You can follow them on social media at Madam Architect or visit MadamArchitect.org to read past articles and learn about the amazing women that they've been interviewing. And as Evelyn said, we will be bringing Amy back in season five. We also have other really interesting conversations. We, We picked up a thread on women in season four for Women's History Month. And we have a couple other really prominent women that are coming on. We're finally gonna get to our mothers episode that we've been talking about for a while. We also have Tiara Hughes coming on from the first 500 and other key guests from the industry that will be helping us continue this conversation about disruption and change.
0: And we're gonna continue to add to our diversity series by bringing on some Latin architects to have a conversation about their experience in the profession.
1: I've been having fun recently going back and now that we have like 80 episodes, like trying to catalog playlists for our listeners. So like if you're interested in technology, we have an entire series. If you go check out our social media on Practice of Arc, you can find like the technology playlist series. We have the architecture and playlist series. We have our diversity series. There's so many threads within the show. So if you're only interested in a specific topic, you can go back and find the episodes that really resonate on that topic. Yeah.
0: So thank you all for tuning in. Leave us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps us out a lot. And as I said earlier, it makes our week, not just our day. Sponsorships help us with the cost of producing the show. So be sure to contact us if you're interested. We'll be taking a brief break. So feel free to visit old
1: episodes in the meantime, but we will be back in July. Hi Disruptors, Janine here. Season four of Practice Disrupted has been our biggest season yet. Thank you so much for helping us grow our podcasts and our small businesses. We couldn't have done it without you. I hope that you've enjoyed the lineup of speakers that we've hosted this season who have helped us explore entrepreneurship, new business strategies and practice, the role of the architect in our cities, and the potential for technology in our work. I wanted to share a few stats about this season that I'm really proud of. This season, we crossed 17,000 unique downloads. Of our 20 episodes this season, we had over 21 women on the show and we celebrated Women's History Month. This brings our grand total of female guests over the lifespan of the show to over 60 across four seasons and 80 episodes. We're also really proud that we've had over 50 historically underrepresented voices on the show as experts in business, technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship in our industry. We'll be taking a short break before season five starts. If you're looking for new content, you may want to revisit some of our past episode in the archives. I've started publishing our top 10 most downloaded episodes every month. As you know, our episodes can jump from topic to topic, and I always find it interesting to see what's most downloaded and what our listeners really enjoy. So as of June 1st, 2022, here are our top 10 most downloaded episodes. Episode one, Practice Shifts. Episode 67, Architecture and the Future of Workplace. Episode 68, the 2022 AIA Whitney M. Young Jr. Honor Award winners, Riding the Vortex. Episode two, The Next Generation of Practice, episode 10, Organizational Design, Process, and Innovation, episode 47, Talent Development and Practice, episode 65, Training Confidence and Technical Detailing, episode 29, Taking the Leap from Architecture into Tech, episode 51, Designing a Culture of Mentorship, and episode 42, Building a Great Place to Work. Keep an eye out on our social media for updates in the future. We also post playlists on Instagram, including our technology series, our architecture and series and our diversity series. If you enjoy what we're creating, please drop us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or a rating over on Spotify or reach out to us on social media. We always enjoy hearing from you. If you want to participate in discussions about these types of topics, consider joining us in the POA lab or reach out to us about speaking engagements. Evelyn and I are heading to AA22 in Chicago in June and the Entree Architect annual meeting in Austin this November. We're working on season five and we're really looking forward to bringing on the next set of speakers to help us push this conversation forward. If you're interested, we're looking for strong sponsors to partner with us through the next 20 episodes. You can contact me for information and details on what that involves. For those waiting on new content, please check back in mid to late July 2022. We'll be bringing you a new season with fresh content, new ideas, and more talented thought leaders. Thank you so much for making season four the best season yet. We look forward to seeing you soon.